Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Okay. So today we are talking about editing resources and kind of just tools and um, books, resources that you can look to to find out more about revision and find out more about editing. So we decided to do this kind of instead of our book conversation for the month. So we'll cover some books in this conversation that we have both read or are reading and kind of what we're getting out of them. I think whenever I think of like editing books or resources, elements of style always like kind of comes up first. It just feels like the standard. It's not my favorite, but I think it's a really good I don't know. It's kind of one of those books I feel like every writer should have or have read yes. at some point. <laughs> it's a great refresher on yes. a lot of the rules that we may have forgot yes. <laughs> <laughs> over time. I don't think every single thing it has to say is yes is important, but it covers so much ground that I think yes. it's so good to read it, to kind of take it in and then decide okay, what, yes. what do I want to take away from this? Like, well, what are the things that maybe I leave behind, yes. but what do I want to remember? Well, and it's such a little book too. So it's, yeah. I feel like it's a nice one for just like, if you're not sure about something, like, yep. I, I don't really remember if this comma should be here or not or whatever. Like you pick just, it up and yeah, just find that section and yes. see um, what it says. Without having go, to go to like the APA and yes. <laughs> like that. Yes. I just started reading the, uh, I'm not quite finished with it. I'm about halfway through. Um, I think it's called Several Short Sentences About Writing. It feels like the antithesis to Elements of Style in some ways, because really it's about, yeah, several short sentences about writing. It's by Verily Lynn um, Klinkerborg. I'm not really sure how to say that last time. Klinken, Klinkenborg. <laughs> the style of the book is fascinating to me because it's written all as these it's one chapter. The whole book is just one thing. And just all in these several short sentences <laughs> um, that just like flow from one thought to the next. And kind of, it's kind of about unlearning some of the things we learn in school about writing. We talked in a recent episode about kind of different types of editing and like revision and copy editing and proofreading and kind of all of that sort of thing. And I feel like this book several short sentences about writing feels like a book about style. Like if you're looking at copywriting, not, not down to the like commas and periods and like proofreading stuff, but how a sentence sounds and um, how to write well and communicate what you want to communicate. I feel like it's been a really fascinating book for that. I'm not entirely sure I agree with everything in it, (laughs) but it's then really interesting. And one of like, really like where it starts is kind of this idea of like, just write short short sentences, limit yourself to short sentences for a really long time until you get really good at a short sentence at communicating clearly and efficiently in very few words and in very clear words, like words that mean what they say and not like uh, having to put in all these parenthetical phrases and all these things in order to communicate what you want. And then once you get good at that, then you can play with all these other things. But I think that was really fascinating because you and I have talked before about how 
school kind of teaches us to bloat our language and our yes. our sentences because often things are based on page numbers and word yep. counts and you know you have to like um so we're encouraged and taught and rewarded for expanding in ways that don't lend themselves to clarity always and so i i feel like this book has been really interesting and helpful for displacing that myth or like kind of challenging that idea yes well and it's it's almost that exercise right of like getting back into okay if i only need these words to say something i only use those words but it's it's breaking those habits like that habit of the crutch of expanding the language yeah and he has some really good practices for that like one of the things he recommended was going through your your book or your manuscript and putting a page uh not a page break a section break so a paragraph break at every sentence not every paragraph at every single sentence so that you can see each Mm -hmm. sentence separately and see how it functions separately and then he talked about finding like the other thing that i thought was really interesting was finding um a couple different authors that you really like and essentially i mean it's kind of like diagramming their sentences but in a much easier way and like not as schooly but he kind of was like take a couple different highlighters highlight all the nouns in in each of their sentences for a page or whatever um then highlight all the verbs and see look at like what verbs are they using mm-hmm. highlight all the like you know kind of like go through like that highlight all the adjectives adverbs whatever all in different colors so that then you can look at the sentence structure in one view and you can see like oh their verbs are always coming you know, like, or they tend to be at the beginning of the sentence or the end of the sentence, or they tend to have a lot of this or a lot of that, or, and you start to notice these kind of patterns in the writing that you like, and then you can do it with your own work and see like, how does this compare to that? And where do I like how it sounds and, and where do I not? And when I like how it sounds, what does that structure look like? And when I don't like how it sounds, what does that structure look like? And, you know, like, I thought it was fascinating because I just, I don't think I think about sentence structure as much as maybe I could. And I I think that's true for most writers. I think we all kind of fall into sort of bad habits of repeating the same types of sentences or the same types of structures. Yes. Um, Having sentences that are all kind of similar in length or similar in sound. Like there's things about that that can, like ultimately I think story, like revise for story first. Story is most important. A good story will carry bad writing. They will read bad writing if the story is good, but you can improve your writing even further when you make the writing good too. And when you can have the sound of the writing be appealing to readers um, and appealing to you. And I thought that was, those were kind of interesting practices to me. Um, I love that. I, I think it does have that value of, we often put a lot of emphasis on the revision. We put a lot of emphasis on the proofread. But we don't always have that kind of looking within as we write. And then even changing those habits over time. Mm -hmm. I have really started to kind of fall back in love with the short sentence Mm -hmm. and have been especially um, aware of one in an edit that I'm doing because there are so in this work that I'm working on, there's so few short sentences. And Mm -hmm. that was actually one of the recommendations I gave is that there are sometimes places where it would serve it so much better than continuing on the sentence, than adding additional information. And I think sometimes also it's psychological. Yes, absolutely. We are so used to explaining and over explaining ourselves 
that we just don't let the statement stand yeah. as it is. Yeah. It's almost like it's a sign of self-doubt in the right, the yeah. writer and it, it, whether you realize it as the reader or not, I think it, you lose trust in the writer in, yes. in some ways when they, when their sentences get repetitive, when they're trying to say the same thing in five different ways in order to make sure you understand it instead yes. of just letting it rest as one clear sentence that communicates what you want, you know, like it shows almost an insecurity, which I know for myself, like I have tons of insecurity about not being understood. So I really like Absolutely. Tend to, my, my emails tend to be like 10 times longer than they should be because I want to make sure everyone gets the whole picture of what I mean, I mean but it doesn't do. serve your writing and it yes. doesn't serve your audience and, um, or your story. And it's, I think it's really helpful to start to look at that. So yes. and starting to do exercises that actually force us yes. to do it in that way. Yes. I did marketing work for a handful of years and I feel like that helped so much in breaking my, like if you're trying to write a billboard or like you yes. have to be short, you know, like you have Absolutely. to figure out like, how do I say this in one sentence or in two sentences or whatever. Yes. And it was super hard for me and challenging, but it did really start to break some of that pattern. Yeah. So I, I almost feel Absolutely. like that's another exercise you could do is like, right start writing ads for something like yep. just <laughs> I wrote emails to professors that I knew would only read the first sentence you're like headline is this and that it does it's mm-hmm. I think even doing it as a practice even if you're writing something to any human being on the planet mm-hmm. you know if you're writing something that's talking to someone in customer service or a family yeah. member I think learning that kind of boiled down process as part of it, it it just makes it stronger. It just allows you to get those words that have that strength behind it that don't necessarily sound, you know, often we are taught how to like sound intelligent rather than to boil it down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as much as possible, clear. Mm -hmm. And I think clarity clarity should always lead the way in in that as much as possible Mm -hmm. even if we're trying to like actively confuse the reader that's fine but we should be clear in in the word choices that we use um I think another resource along those same lines that's been really helpful for me is and I don't have like one particular one of these but there there are lots of like lists of commonly used words or softening language words yes um there's a word for that that I can't think of right now, but, um, and taking those lists as resources and then searching my document for them. And I'm always shocked with how often I soften my language with things like probably, or might, or maybe, or almost, or like, and it is hard. There's like a lot of times where I'm like, Oh, I don't, it sounds too like aggressive or something sometimes without it. And so much of that is just how we're trained. I think, especially as women, Absolutely. But the writing is clearer and stronger when you take it out. And it's really helpful to have those resources and just search for those lists. Absolutely. And uh, let's give a shout out to that and just that those words also, um, they are filler. And I think reminding ourselves that if it's, if it's softening, if it's filler, if it's not, if it's just the, the fat of writing, that should be what we're looking forward to remove out. And I love those yeah. lists because it really helps you even reading over them. Yes. I think helps you catch 
when you're putting them in, like, yeah. so that you are, even if it's subconscious that all of a sudden you're like, oh, can't use that word. <laughs> like, yes. I think it's good to start training yourself to kind of weed those out in real time Absolutely. or to, to, as you read through them, be like, oh yeah. Okay. There. Yeah. <laughs> there. Who was and, the, the writer who said like to replace, um, damn with anytime Mark you want to try. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I wrote it down. I love that you just did that. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Read the quote. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, yes. It's substitute damn. Every time you're inclined to write very, the editor will take it out and then your writing will be as it should be. Yeah. I love that. It's good. <laughs> it's it, a good little trick. True. It reminds you that when you're saying that, that it's not doing what you think it's doing. Yes. There's another word there that you should be getting then. If, if the word itself needs very, then I'd say there's probably a better word out there. Yeah. Stronger and, word. And I think that brings up the list of active words mm -hmm. or descriptor words. Um, I have several just little books of, of mm -hmm. words like that. And also there's tons of lists online. I'll yeah. bring in the ones from Pinterest because there's many. And I think even if you have a bulletin board or something like that, having some of those written or out so you can look at once in a while or even just reminding yourself of what those words sound like so mm -hmm. I read over lists all the time and it's not it's not for like my words are terrible it's so that I recognize the words that are strong the words yeah. that pull their weight that haven't lost their meaning in the wash mm -hmm. like there are words phrases that have and I think recognizing when they have and then choosing something different, choosing something that may, may not have that strength of word anymore. That's kind of, is just so overused yeah. um, that it's kind of lost all sense. Yes. The other one I just started reading is um, Refuse to be Done by Matt Bell. He's actually, I think, a professor at ASU, but it's been a really interesting one. It's basically talking about, like, he talks about how when he finished his first book, he was like now but like, I didn't know how to revise or like what to do and you know we're yeah. all told like well you need to rewrite it you need to revise you need to edit but we're not really given a lot of guidelines on how to do that so I haven't gotten I haven't finished it yet but it's been really interesting like he essentially breaks the writing process down into first draft second draft third draft and recognizing that that might not actually, you know, like you might have a couple yeah. of second drafts or you know like the kind of these sections of um, types of drafts maybe and so that first draft is kind of that exploration, that finding the story, the like um, telling yourself the story, all of that. And he has some really good practices and ideas and like ways to even start to revise as you're doing that or things to keep in mind as you're doing that, which was really interesting. And then um, that second draft, like honing in that story and getting really clear about what the story is you're telling and not having too many you know stories going or kind of finding that center or that three line um and has some good like exercises and and ideas for doing that as well um and then that final draft that third draft being more of the like copywriting editing you know like editing yeah. for style and for other things so it's if i like how he's broken it down like that and how he's giving really practical ideas for each season of the manuscripts yes. work if that makes sense absolutely um, I love looking at it in that kind of cycle type of yeah. way I, because 
what I think sometimes gets overwhelming about the process is it's almost like you feel as if you have to do all the things all at once. And I think no matter how you shift on and off the lenses, yes, you cannot do all things at once. Yeah. unfortunately <laughs> as much well, as it's just too much to pay to. attention to all at once you know like Absolutely. if you're paying attention to what overused words you're using and yeah. the story and what's in dialogue you know like there's yeah. just so many things and I think it's really helpful to break it down to like okay this time I read through it I'm gonna focus on this yes <laughs> this time I'm gonna focus on that um, yes yeah. and I think even looking at it as as you go through that process you read it in different ways when you do that, that, that naturally kind of go with what it is you're doing. And that may look completely different. You might be reading it chapter by chapter. You might be reading it all the way through. You might be reading it out loud, but recognizing that at different seasons with that or different parts of that cycle, it may require a different way of looking at it, or even like looking at it in small, smaller sections than chapter to chapter, scene to scene. I think figuring out then what your method is, is good by seeing other people doing it in their kind of own ways. I'm in the process of reading um, self-editing for fiction writers. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's by by two editors, um, Rennie Brown and Dave King. And this is, I think, the second edition. So I'm not sure exactly what the differences are between the two. Uh Um, But what I like about it, and I'm still working my way through it, is each section covers a different area of it. Um, Mm. Like, for instance, characterization and exposition point of view and so yeah yeah um it kind of gives different lenses on a area of storytelling um to take on and take off and then it does little exercises at the end it has a lot of really great examples so I think what's good about this is it kind of covers a lot of different topics from the perspective of an editor and what they specifically look for. I loved that from a breaking it out in a topic to topic by giving examples of other different types of thing that they're, that they look for um, while also like talking about general, the topic generally as well, like point of view, it actually goes into a, a brief but helpful kind of review of the topic Mm -hmm. and I just think it was a really complete book um, Mm -hmm. in that in that Mm -hmm. someone who's just coming to it who may not be familiar with even those aspects of it it's a really great brief if you know it you know it but if you don't it gets you to ask questions and I think that's some of the good parts of these books as well, or tools is sometimes they all of a sudden like trigger something that you're like, Mm -hmm. I had never thought of that, or I had never considered how that could be seen by a reader or that that would kind of potentially be a problem. And I like, Mm. I like things that do that, that are like really good overviews helps people at a bunch of different parts of the process yes, um, if you're if you're new to it it's helpful if you've you know 
if you've done the process of self-editing, I think that there's still something there. I really have liked the book. I'm definitely gonna have to get that one. I've had my eye on it for a while, but and it's really readable. Like, yeah, which uh, for me, I That's love a readable craft yes. books. Like, I am here for the readable craft books. I want practical and readable and short. Yep. <laughs> so. and, and that's, I've just been reading it at night and it's actually mm-hmm. been kind of, they've made me laugh several times and that's been fun. Yes. Like when yeah. there's a good feeling by it, it makes it go down easier. So it's, it's yeah. definitely been that for me. And then also I have another book that's like completely the opposite. I mean, not, not that it's written bad, um, badly, poorly. It's just, just a little really, heavier. It's really heavy. Um, but I think it's still something that I'm glad I wrote, I, I read. Um, it's written by an editor. It's an editor's advice to writers and it's called The Forest for the Trees. It's by mm. Betsy Lerner. Um, some of it is now kind of outdated about the publishing process, but I, mm. I thought was fascinating about it and made it worth reading was how she talks about the process from the viewpoint of an editor and I think it allowed me to really take off the writer hat it may some you know some people it may not be for them but for me I think that anything that really helps work on those muscles of being able to take off that hat and put on another hat is helpful and so even just being able to see that perspective of how working with writers like the tools and wisdom she wishes she could give to writers and that they would know in advance of starting the process. I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I think it is really true that it is a different skill set. Like writing is a different skill set than editing. And we do have to distance ourselves from the writer in us in some ways when we edit and kind of put on a different, a different lens, a different type of thinking. Um, and kind of get enough distance from the work that we can see it objectively. And I do think that, that it can be helpful to hear from other editors when you're doing that, for sure. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about this before, but I think taking part in the process of editing someone else yes. is so helpful. Because one, we get what our own preferences are. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that has to be set aside. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes we can also see things where we do something, but as a reader, all of a sudden we realize, oh, that bothers me. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's in, it allows, you know, we've talked about like you get some distance from something and sometimes mm-hmm. it makes it easier to go down. And I think having that ability to see someone else's work in that way yeah, can be really positive. Just even being able to, see the process from that side um, then makes it a little easier to go through the process yourself I think yeah absolutely I I think that's such a great point and like we talk a lot about how important it is to get beta readers for your own work to find critique partners to get feedback on your own work but I think that's absolutely right that it is also important and helpful and such a gift to be able to read for other people and it will help your writing in incredible ways because you can see things in someone else's work that you can't see in yours. And as you start to do that, you do see those parallels and you start to realize like, 
oh yeah, I do that too. Or, yep. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, um, yeah, that's the weakness for me too. And so you can see it with, with new eyes, your own work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think putting on the hat for someone else allows you to put on the hat for yourself to know what yes. it feels like having yeah. that role refresh in your mind, I think, um, can help you Yes. again, after you've gotten that distance, do it for yourself in that same way. Yes. Which leads us very well into what we'll be talking about yes. coming up in future weeks and kind of finding your, your people, finding, um, yeah. your readers, but also finding your, partners in writing those people that are going to cheer you on that you're going to read for and who will read for you um so if you've ever been curious about that we are going to be discussing that in upcoming weeks um for this week we would love for you to hop over to instagram and share with us some of your favorite resources for editing and revising and anything that has really been a good tool or tip or advice for you because we would love to know <laughs> and, <laughs> yes we are both in the process of revising and editing right now and um anything that that you want to share we would love to hear about so thank you so much for joining us and we hope you would leave a review and we really hope that you keep reading and writing and editing and putting your work out into the world and sharing it with people thanks for joining us